episode 400. Welcome to Craftlit, the podcast for crafters who love books. My name is Heather Ordover, and I'm podcasting from where the Delaware River meets the Old York Road, New Hope, Pennsylvania. Episode 400, All You. This episode of Craftlet is brought to you by Survival Organs, handmade organs to love, throw, or cuddle, and Marchair Yarns, hand-dyed yarns just for you. You can find both at Etsy and our patrons at patreon.com slash craftlet. Visit the site and find out what kinds of rewards await you for supporting Craftlit. All of the supporters can be found in the sidebar of the show notes at craftlit.com. And remember, their support for the show is what keeps it free for you. So go have a look. Well, hello. How are you? I hope you are well. And I hope you enjoy this special Craftlit episode brought to you by you. You'll hear from lots of different listeners. You'll hear lots of different things from lots of different listeners. And there are a couple that I may have played on an earlier episode, but I don't think I played all because some of the audio was reserved for today. So sit back, relax, get ready to giggle, to think, and to realize that all this time I have been telling the truth about Craftlet listeners. Hi, Heather. This is Maya. I'm calling to answer your question about what we do, what we listen. I'm not really a crafter. I actually have fewer crafting skills. Uh, but I'm an avid podcast listener, and I'm fairly new to Craftlit. Uh, I, I mostly listen while working. Uh, I'm a geochemist, so I spend a lot of time in the lab. My hands are very busy and often full of acid. Uh, so it's a really great opportunity to expand my knowledge in the humanities and not always think about science. And I really, really enjoy the podcast so far. I look forward to just getting to listen throughout the library. Thank you very much. Hi, Heather. This is Chris Bean from Knitting Chris. I've been a long-time listener of Craftlet for years now must be coming on for seven years i first started listening to a podcast when i was commuting to and from my first job which i'm technically still in um, it used to be an hour and 45 minutes each way and i was running out of podcasts so there was brenda dane's cast on and i heard your promo in her podcast and thought oh i'll give it a go i'm not a classic literature person but i thoroughly enjoyed it the episodes I most enjoyed were the ones from Flatland explaining the differences in the society and I loved the geometry as being a person with a physics background I found it very easy to understand the geometry but the social commentary was a little bit more challenging. I really loved Tale of Two Cities. I remember coming home and just as my last stop was coming the book finished and it took all my self-control and a stiff upper lip to not burst into tears at the end of Tale of Two Cities. I did enjoy, wait for it, a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court. That was very interesting and especially a poignant very end. A little bit hard going through the middle but I haven't had that much experience with Twain and I found it very interesting. Yes, so congratulations for reaching this momentous anniversary. And I would like to say thank you very much for the email conversations that we've had in the past. It's just wonderful. I wasn't expecting to get into such a good dialogue about these books. And you have taught me so much. So thank you very much. Hi, Heather. This is Lise. And I just, I've been delaying and delaying, but I, I did want to just say hi, and I'm so excited that you're getting to episode 400. It feels like um, 
feels like I've known you. It feels like I've known you forever. Um, I mean, you've answered my emails and a couple of times we've gone back and forth about things about the books and you've linked to my blog and you even let my daughter interview you at one point about uh, the Internet of Media. She's um, she's doing really well, by the way. She's now a junior at Ohio University studying journalism, and uh, we're all very proud of her. And I just I feel like you're a real friend of the family. I've been listening to you for years, and I'm always excited to see what you're uh, going to do next. And and you know I talk to you a lot, and I feel like I know you, and I feel like you don't know me at all. But um, you know me, you know us all. Anyway, I'm so happy, and I'm looking forward to another 400 episodes. Bye. Hi, Heather. It's Tara Worcester again. I was calling to put in my nominations for the 400th episode. Tied for nomination of most likely to be beaten with a parasol is Mr. Thornton and Margaret. They would not... For the life of either of them, tell the other person what was seen, heard, actually happening, and it infuriated me. I just wanted to bop them both and go, you're both being stupid. My second nomination is for most likely to be invited to tea is Jane Eyre. She was such a fascinating individual to me for some reason, and I couldn't really put my finger on why. But she's one of those people I would love to have sitting across the table from me and talk about art and painting and my horrid broken French and knitting and any needlework she was doing, any interesting books she had read, and to be quite honest, a conversation on religion. Because that is one of the very interesting things my husband and I love to talk about with strangers. How do you feel about this? Why? Why not that? Well, why is that? Anywho, thanks for your episodes, Heather. I cannot wait for this week's to come out. I am so interested to see what happens. Have a good day, Heather. Bye. Hi, Heather. This is Anne, and to Step on Ravelry or A.T. Blanton on Facebook. I was going to call and give you this wonderful... 400th anniversary voice voicemail to play on the air, but as you can tell, I've lost my voice. So I'm just going to say I love Craft Lit, and I love listening to you talk about your your stuff, and, and I love learning about all of Anyway, thank you for Craft Lit. I appreciate it. Happy 400th. Hi, this is Trisha in Massachusetts, um, or Cozy Nook on Ravelry. And do you know how you often say that you teach to the joke? And I think that was talked about a lot in a recent episode. Well, I just had one of those experiences where I got something because of something we're reading. Um, Right now in my life, I'm reading Vanessa and Her Sister by Priya Parmar, P-R-I-Y-A. And the last name is P-A-R-M-A-R. It's a novel about Virginia Woolf. Well, it's written by, it's from the perspective of Virginia Woolf's sister. Anyway, the part that is relevant is Virginia, it's a, written in a journal style. And so Virginia Woolf's sister is talking and it says, I have written a letter to Mr. Bell. I tried for decorum, but am better suited to honesty. Every time I try for Eleanor Dashwood, I wind up as Marianne. I decided to tell him only things that are true. And then it goes on from there. But I read that. I was like, why did those names sound so familiar? And dawned on me, and I just smiled from ear to ear. So thank you, Craftlet. Dear Heather, congratulations on the upcoming anniversary of your podcast. I wish I could say I've been a listener since its beginning, but I only discovered you in January through our mutual friend, Marcy Gessel. I binged on North and South, had a love-hate relationship with Herland, and am loving Sense and Sensibility, particularly since I'm going on the Craftlet UK tour with you in October. Yay! Though I am new to your podcast, I am not new to audio or podcasts in general, though my listening has been largely on-demand radio programs. 
I think your distinction between podcasts and procasts is a valid one. The need to adequately recognize and fund independent content is hugely important. And you're right, podcasts are a very dis different listening experience from radio shows, though I do love them both. I've been a spoken word audio junkie since I was a kid and discovered E.G. Marshall's Mystery Theater on KGO in San Francisco. Then the 80s happened, and between being a teenager and the advent of MTV, audio without video seemed to be going the way of the dinosaur. Except for NPR, which, having kids, pretty much nixed my ability to listen to uninterrupted, ever. So I was thrilled when podcasting, procasting meant I could listen on my own time, usually in my car, sans kids. In 2009, my addiction to audio content expanded and solidified when I had heart surgery. For weeks, I wasn't strong enough or awake enough to read or watch television, and my iPhone with downloaded podcasts became my new best friend. I still use podcasts to help me go back to sleep in the middle of the night, though never yours because I don't want to sleep through a word of it. And at any point in time, there are a dozen or more podcasts and procasts waiting for me. One of my current favorite new procasts is Happier with Gretchen Rubin. This week, she talks about asking our 10-year-old selves what makes them most happy. What would that kid be appalled to know you'd all but given up in adulthood? Craftlet has already answered that for me, books. I spent my childhood buried in them, but in recent years have had to force myself to make time for even one book a month. Except now, I have Craftlet and have rediscovered them. I love your insights, research, listeners' comments, and unexpectedly, the craft talk. When Marcy first told me about Craftlet, I thought I would enjoy the book talk, but would skip all the craft stuff, since I am not a crafter. Then I started binge listening to North and South, and I couldn't just sit still, so I taught myself to crochet. I'm still not very good. Uneven stitches, that's me. But I'm almost as addicted to that creative act as I am to the books. I now have a scarf, a blanket, and three books going at any given time. Yours, my book groups, and one from the stack next to my bed. It makes me smile just thinking about them. So thank you for reconnecting me with things that bring me joy and for sharing your love of those things with the rest of us. May your monthly sponsorship reach great heights. I so look forward to meeting you this fall. Best, Jean. My name is Laura. I'm a long-time listener. I hope my voicemail works. Just wanted to let you know how I love you and love the show. And have a fantastic day. Bye. Hi, Heather. My name is Nancy, and you can find me on Ravelry as Nancy one To celebrate the 400th episode of Craftlist, I would like to read you one of my favorite poems. However, before I start, I should let you know that even though I love literature, poetry was not something I looked forward to during my school days. In fact, I was known to exert an audible groan even at the mention of poetry. It just never seemed to click with me. That is until I was introduced to E. Cummings. Uh, now, I know anyone who's familiar with E. Cummings is probably rolling their eyes right now going, that's what brought you into poetry, but it's true. The first poem I read was Anyone Lived in a Pretty House Town, and I just love that poem. I love how it sounded, and I love how he had this unconventional way of using words to really bring you in and make you pay attention to the story. Anyone Lived in a Pretty House Town is essentially a love story about a man named anyone and the love of his life, no one, living among And obviously we lost audio, so here is a recording of Anyone Lived in a Pretty House Town. Anyone lived in a pretty how town without so floating many bells down. Spring, summer, autumn, winter, he sang his didn't, he danced his did. Women and men, both little and small, cared for anyone, not at all. They sold their isn't, they reaped their same. Sun, moon, stars, rain. Children guessed, but only a few. And down they forgot as up they grew. 
autumn, winter, spring, summer, that no one loved him more by more. When by now and tree by leaf she laughed his joy, she cried his grief. Bird by snow and stir by still, anyone's any was all to her. Someone's married their everyone's, laughed their cryings and did their dance. Sleep, wake, hope, and then they said their nevers, they slept their dream. Stars, rain, sun, moon, and only the snow can begin to explain how children are apt to forget to remember. With up, so floating many bells down. One day anyone died, I guess, and no one stooped to kiss his face. Busy folk buried them side by side, little by little and was by was. All by all and deep by deep and more by more, they dream their sleep. No one and anyone, earth by April, wish by spirit, and if by yes. Women and men, both dawn and ding, summer, autumn, winter, Spring reaped their sowing and went their cane. Sun, moon, stars, rain. Hey, this is Caroline in Baltimore, a.k.a. Fiddle Twist on Ravelry and other places, wishing Craftlit a very happy 400th episode. And I decided I would Craftlit something small just as a um, sort of a dry run for the books I'm trying to read for Heather. So what I chose is a poem by Edna St. Vincent Millay that I found available on Project Gutenberg. Um, it's called Bluebeard. I admire her sonnets greatly. I think that I'm a fan of the sonnet form in general because of its compression and how much it forces the poet to refine, refine, refine what they're saying into exactly the right words. And um, while Edna St. Vincent Millay's reputation isn't all that great right now because she's more soap opera than poet, I think, in the public imagination, I think if you look at her sonnets, there's a rigor of language in them in spite of the f the varied subjects that she's writing about and how some of that wild thing aspect of her actually comes through. Um, she was born in the late uh, 19th century in Maine. I don't want to spend a lot of time on her biography because I don't have it off the top of my head, but she was born in a family of three sisters and she was raised by a single mother. Their father abandoned the family when the girls were very small. And so the their tight devotion to one another and to their mother combined with Vincent's brilliance and slight instability had a lot of influence on the way her entire life went. Um, but she was serious about her writing from a very young age. She got a scholarship to Vassar so that she got an education beyond what her mother could have done for her. And she lived a wild and crazy life. And the reason, one of the reasons that I chose this poem besides that it was available on Project Gutenberg, is that if you think about the legend of Bluebeard, you'll find that this poem turns it upside down a little bit. Um, Bluebeard is the legend of the um, man who marries a woman every night, and the next day he murders her and sticks her in this room in his castle. And the story, as it's known to us, is the story of the latest wife who 
um, marries Bluebeard and wants to know what's in the room. Um, so that story is that. And then there's this story. And I'll read you her poem and then make another couple of comments about it at the end. This door you might not open, and you did. So enter now and see for what slight thing you are betrayed. Here is no treasure hid, no cauldron, no clear crystal mirroring the sought for truth, no heads of women slain for greed like yours, no writhings of distress, but only what you see. Look yet again, an empty room, cobwebbed and comfortless, yet this alone out of my life I kept unto myself, lest any know me quite. And you did so profane me when you crept unto the threshold of this room tonight that I must never more behold your face. This now is yours. I seek another place. So the legend is completely turned upside down. Bluebeard has a room with nothing in it, and the only thing special about it is that it's his very own. Seems to me to be spoken like a woman and a writer. I have a note in the margin of this poem from when we read it in my women poets class in college. I just have a little note on the side, a room of one's own. And um, we also read that essay by Virginia Woolf in that class. And I can see the connection between this and the other. Bluebeard had a room of his own. And even that was taken from him. So that's all I have to say about this. But I'm sure that other people have more to say. And I'm going to cease now with another happy birthday wish for Craftlet. And thank you for everything, Heather. Hi, this is Leanna. It's Leanna on Ravelry. I've been a listener since the very beginning, but I forgot. Um, my sister actually turned me on when you put out Pride and Prejudice. And then I took a hiatus for a couple of years and then found you again about four years ago. I, at the time, had just had my first little boy and I was suffering terribly from postpartum depression. And my sister, again, reminded me of this show and I started at the very beginning. I am one of those that just likes to do everything in order. And so I started with Pride and Prejudice again. And in the course of a year and a half, I completely caught up. And since then have fallen behind and completely caught up probably five or six times. Um, I also listen to the premium podcast and I love a picture of Dorian Gray. It's one of my favorite books. I was so excited that we did it. And then Sense and Sensibility, I remember way, way, way back nine years ago going, oh, she's doing Pride and Prejudice. I would so much rather her do Sense and Sensibility because the movie, while it's good, is missing so many fabulous characters and I just love that book so I'm very excited that you're doing that now and I want to tell you thank you because by listening to Craftlet I was able to put the pieces of my life back together and kind of jumpstart getting out of my horrible yellow wallpaper period and I know that you will understand that joke more than anybody else I want to say thank you, and uh, I am now a mom of three, and all three of them have listened to everything except for a picture of Dorian Gray, because that was just a little bit too advanced for babies. Thank you. Bye. Hi, Heather. This is Jennifer, Mama Knitter on Ravelry. I've also been blessed to be a designer for one of your books, What Else Would Madame Defarge Knit? I designed Hester's Hope's Shawl. Thank you for that opportunity, by the way. I have been a longtime listener of your podcast, but for me, this is my first time calling. In my life, podcasts have come and gone, but yours is the only one that I've listened to faithfully from the beginning. I was there with you at Croton on the Hudson. I traveled with you to the old Pueblo, and I've been there on your more recent moves as well. I remember your joy at finding that fabulous artisan bread book, and I bought it as well. And then I remember later your realization that you can't handle gluten. I've listened to your experiences about teaching in New York City during the 9-11 terror attacks. They made them more personal for me. I wanted to thank you publicly 
you've been a friend and a companion to me during my moves as well. Your show steadied me when our family was displaced from our home for a few months due to a fire. It was caused by a lightning storm. You were there as I drove three kids and two cranky cats south from Ohio to Jacksonville, Florida. The consistency of your show calmed me in all that chaos. And let's not even get into the content. It is fabulous. I've had my horizons broadened. Herland? Never experienced it before your show. Gulliver's Travels? Only parts of it. Dracula, too. I was too afraid to tackle that one. What a fabulous book. And don't get me going on a Connecticut Yankee. I love that one so much, despite its mixed reception, that I'm teaching it in one of my classes this year. Which brings me to how I would like to contribute to your 400th. As I consider the many wonderful benefits I've gained from listening to Craftlet, I tried to distill it to one essential point. That point, I've decided, is open-mindedness. I've tackled books I've never imagined I would want to read, and I haven't been able to put them down, thanks to your show. A Tale of Two Cities and Bleak House are at the front and foremost. <sighs> Believe me, I listened as long as I could, but towards the end I got greedy. I picked up a print copy and rushed to finish them both, and then went back and finished your show. One writer I have always avoided, and even holding an English degree I managed to succeed at, was James Fenimore Cooper. This year, though, I decided to include him in one of my American Lit classes and assign the kids to read The Last of the Mohicans. I know it's not one you've done yet, but I wanted to share a section briefly out of the book. Despite my prejudice, I have found that I have truly enjoyed it. I credit you, Heather, with that. So with that, here is my contribution. Left now in a measure to themselves, the Mohicans, whose time had been so much devoted to the interests of others, seized the moment to devote some attention to themselves. Casting off at once the grave and austere demeanor of an Indian chief, Chingachgook commenced speaking to his son in the soft and playful tones of affection. Uncas gladly met the familiar air of his father, and before the hard breathing of the scout announced that he slept, a complete change was effected in the manner of his two associates. It is impossible to describe the music of their language while thus engaged in laughter and endearments in such a way as to render it intelligible to those whose ears have never listened to its melody. The compass of their voices, particularly that of the youth, was wonderful, extending from the deepest bass to tones that were even feminine in softness. The eyes of the father followed the plastic and ingenious movements of the son with open delight, and he never failed to smile in reply to the other's contagious but low laughter. While under the influence of these gentle and natural feelings, no trace of ferocity was to be seen in the softened features of the sagamore. His figured panoply of death looked more like a disguise assumed in mockery than a fierce enunciation of a desire to carry destruction in his footsteps. After an hour passed in the indulgence of their better feelings, Chingachgook abruptly announced his desire to sleep by wrapping his head in his blanket and stretching his form on the naked earth. The merriment of Uncas instantly ceased, and carefully raking the coals in such a manner that they should impart their warmth to his father's feet, the youth sought his own pillow among the ruins of the place. Imbibing renewed confidence from the security of these experienced foresters, Hayward soon imitated their example, and long before the night had turned, they who lay in the bosom of the ruined work seemed to slumber as heavily as the unconscious multitude whose bones were already beginning to bleach on the surrounding plain. Hi Heather, my nomination for the classic book most likely to be summed up as a gif, is Ruth by Elizabeth Gaskell. I read it for a uni course I did last semester, and throughout I just had the gif from Mean Girls in the health class, where the coach says, don't have sex because you will get pregnant and die. And that's what that book reminded me of. So that's my nomination for the book most likely to be summed up as a gif. I love the podcast. Thanks for all you do. Bye. 
This is Tony from the Libros Manos Libres podcast, and I just wanted to leave you a message to congratulate you on your 400th episode. You're such a wonderful inspiration for all of us that are interested in literature and in reading, and I hope that you have 400 more wonderful episodes. Have fun celebrating. Hi, my name is Susan. I've been listening to Craftlet for a couple of years now. And I am ring a doll at Ravelry, or um, I have a blog with needle and stick that talks about my knitting and sewing. So I just wanted to you to ask for the 400th episode, some of the ideas um, of favorite books. And I have to say, when I think of classic books, there I tend to look for adventure stories. And I guess my all-time favorite has been The Count of Monte Cristo, which I've read twice, um, and I rarely read a book twice. And I just really, as a girl, it just was such a great adventure story, and there was so much to it, and it was so exciting that he was clapped into jail by a man who was just out to get his love of his life, and the adventure and how the story plays out over the years was just fascinating. And then also, I have to say, I love War and Peace, and it was a joke I heard all my life about, you know, it was so long and so boring and so horrible. And one day I decided to try it and I got hooked and I read through the whole thing and absolutely loved it. And I guess the last ones, unfortunately, which have been put back into copyright so you can't read them free anymore, are the secret unset books of Kristen Labyrinth's daughter, which I had found at a book sale when I was living in Washington, D.C. at a um, state department book sale. And I found this set of books and I just, one day, for the heck of it, I was out of something to read, and I pulled one out, because they were quite old, like 50 years old, and I pulled one out, and I started reading it, and I got hooked. And it was three in a series about a woman who defies her parents and marries this knight in Norway, and her life and her children and all the repercussions of the defiance of her parents and, and how those play out over the years. And it was just such a great novel or a series of novels um, that were historically accurate about medieval Norway and about a strong woman, which was really such a fun read. So those are my three top kind of adventure books. I hope one of these days you'll at least get one of them on there. I would love to hear the Monte Cristo book read aloud. And thanks again for all the wonderful books you're reading. And I really love to listen to them as I am um, sewing my coats, which are for sale. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Hi, Heather. This is Jennifer in Ohio. And I just wanted to thank you for all that you do. I have been listening to you since very near the beginning and have followed you from the Hudson Valley to Tucson to Virginia and now to Pennsylvania. And even when life is busy and I don't get to listen to all of the books that are being discussed, I always take a few minutes to listen to what's going on in your life and consider you a friend and hope things are going well. I hope that you have a great day. Hi, Heather. This is Amy. I'm Amy Crochets on Ravelry. I want to wish you a happy 400th episode. It's very exciting. Craftlet has become um, really a big part of my life in the last year and a half since I found you. And I'm just so happy to be a listener. And I thought I would tell you about my favorite book. I read it for sophomore honors English in 1990. Um, and it's Unfortunately, it's abridged, um, and I have the same copy I had when I was 15 years old, and I reread it every single year, um, and I can't bring myself to find the unabridged translation because I just love it so much the way it is. It's The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexandre Dumas, translated and abridged by Lowell Bear for Bantam Books, and it's just, I, I've wondered so many times over the years, why I love this book so much. And I think it just comes down to the fact that it's just, it's, it's, it's kind of like Ocean's Eleven. There's just so many details that go into it to make it all come out right in the end. 
it's just so intricate. Every time I read it, and I tell you, I, I reread it every single year and have read it almost every year since 1990, so that's a lot. I pick up something I never noticed before every single time. I love it so much, and I wish we could do it on Craftlet. This particular translation I know is too new. I personally don't have the, the guts to read the unabridged version. I did that with uh, Les Miserables once, and it was way too way too much for me. But I thought I would read you a little bit. The Count of Monte Cristo is about Edmond Dantes, a young man who is thrown in prison for being a Bonapartist uh, conspirator in between while uh, Napoleon was um, exiled on Elba. And he was falsely accused and falsely imprisoned, or he was actually imprisoned due to a false accusation. And he, while in prison, manages to make contact with another prisoner and they, this old man teaches him many wonderful things. And once this old man dies, Dante has an idea for how to escape from the Chateau d'Is, the prison um, outside of Marseille, where he is kept. And so I'm going to pick up uh, in chapter, I think this is chapter 12. And he's, as he's, in, he's despairing because his friend, Babe Faria, has died. And he's thinking, what, what if I kill myself? But then he thinks, no. I'm going into the reading here. No, I want to live, to fight on to the end. I want to win back the happiness that was taken away from me. I must punish my enemies before I die, and I may also have some friends to reward. But they'll forget me here, and the only way I'll ever leave this dungeon is like Faria. As he spoke these words, he sat stock still, staring into space like a man suddenly struck by a terrifying idea. Then he stood up, put his hand to his forehead as though he were dizzy, and murmured, who sent me this thought? Was it you, O oh God? Since only the dead leave here, I'll take the place of a corpse. Without giving himself time to reconsider his desperate resolution, he leaned over the hideous sack, slid it open with the knife which Faria had made, took out the corpse, carried it into his own cell, put it on his bed, wrapped around its head the rag which he himself always wore, pulled his blanket over it, kissed the cold forehead one last time, tried once again to close the rebellious eyes which persisted in remaining open, and turned the head to the wall so that when the jailer brought in his evening meal, he would think he was already asleep, as he often was. Then he went back into Faria's cell, took out the needle and thread, threw off his clothes so the jailers would feel bare flesh under the sackcloth, slipped into the sack, placed himself in the same position as the corpse, and sewed up the sack again from the inside. If the jailers had happened to come in at that moment, they would have heard the beating of his heart. His plan was all worked out. If the grave diggers discovered that they were carrying a man living instead of a corpse, he would quickly rip open the sack with his knife and take advantage of their terror to escape. If they tried to stop him, he would use the knife on them. If they carried him all the way to the cemetery and laid him in a grave, he would let himself be covered over. Then, since it would be night, as soon as the grave diggers had turned their backs, he would force his way up through the soft earth and escape. He hoped the weight would not be too heavy for him to raise. Otherwise, he would be smothered to death. But even this possibility does not dismay him. At least everything would be finished. Towards seven o'clock in the evening, his anxiety began in earnest. He trembled in every limb, and his heart felt as though it were being gripped in an icy vice. The hours passed without bringing the slightest movement in the prison. So far, his ruse had not been discovered. Finally, he heard footsteps on the stairs. The time had come. He summoned up all his courage, held his breath, and tried to repress the pounding of his heart. The door opened and a dim light reached his eyes. Through the cloth covering him, he saw two shadows approach the bed. A third one stood in the doorway holding a lantern. The first two men took hold of the sack from both ends. Dante's made his body rigid. He's very heavy for such a skinny old man, said one. They say every year adds half a pound to the weight of a man's bones, said the other. They carried him out on a stretcher, and the funeral procession, led by the man with the lantern, went up the stairs. Suddenly, Dantes felt the cold, fresh night air and the sharp wind from the sea. The sensation filled him with both joy and anxiety. They carried him some 20 yards further, then stopped and laid the stretcher on the ground. Dantes heard one of the men walking away. Where am I? He wondered. His first impulse was to try to escape, but fortunately, he controlled himself. A few minutes later, he heard one of the men walk up to him and drop a heavy object on the ground. At the same time, he felt a rope tied around his feet with painful tightness. Have you made the knot? asked the man who had remained idle. Yes, and it's well made. I'll answer for that. All right, then. Let's go. 
The stretcher was raised again, and the procession continued on its way. The sound of the waves breaking against the rocks on which the Chateau d'If is built reached Dantes more distinctly with every step. What miserable weather, said one of the men. I wouldn't like to be at sea tonight. Yes, said the other. There's a good chance the priest may get his feet wet. They both burst out laughing. Dantes did not understand the joke, but his hair stood on end nevertheless. Here we are, said the first man after a while. No, further on, further on. You know how the last one got smashed up on the rocks, and the next day the governor called us a couple of lazy rascals. They went on a few more steps. Then Dantes felt them pick him up by the head and feet and swing him back and forth. One, two, three. With the last word, he felt himself flung into space. Fear clutched at his heart as he fell like a wounded bird, down, down, down. Finally, after what seemed like an eternity, there was a tremendous splash, and he plunged like an arrow into the icy sea. He uttered a scream, which was immediately choked off as the water closed over his head. He was being swiftly dragged to the bottom by a cannonball tied to its feet. The sea is the cemetery of the Chateau d'If. And that's where I'm going to leave it for you, Heather. Um, happy anniversary. Happy 400th episode. Thank you so, so much for everything you do. And I think you just heard my dog shaking in the background with her collar. Um, we, my whole family really just enjoys listening to you. And I hope we get 400 more. Thanks. Bye. Hi, Heather. This is feedback for the 400th episode. I've been listening since Gulliver Travels, but I spent most of this year and last year listening to almost all of the back episodes. And so I'd like to give an award to Flatland for the most interesting book I wouldn't have known about or read without Craftlet. All right. Thanks. Bye. Hi, Heather. This is Kathleen Catrog on Ravelry. And I wanted to call to congratulate you on the 400th episode of Craft Lit and also to put in a plug for my favorite short story of all time, which is The Dead by James Joyce. When people hear the name James Joyce, they get intimidated. They think about Finnegan's Wake. They want to tear their hair out. Forget that. Just go read The Dead or any of the stories in Dubliners, which is his collection of short stories. Although they're written in the early 1900s, when you read them, you'll see how modern they are and where all of the things that you uh, see in modern short stories came from. Because up until that time, there were just tales and fables and very, very plot-driven stories. And in The Dead especially, you'll see uh, a very simple story, beautifully written, and that something really profound happens to this, to a man, Gabriel Conroy, and that's the whole modern concept of having an epiphany. <laughs> it sounds kind of pretentious, but read the story, and you'll know what I'm talking about. Anyhow, thanks so much for Craft Lit, Heather. It's really made a big difference to my life and uh, given me so many hours of pleasure. Thank you again. Bye. Hello, Heather. Thank you so much for all your work on Craftlet. You've enabled and encouraged me to listen to books which I would never have considered reading or listening to. And, as is the case with all good literature, I've been much enriched by all of them, even the ones I don't particularly care for or agree with. I just finished listening to the Bleak House chapter entitled Mr. Bucket, chapter 22 maybe, and was so struck with the similarity of some of my own recent veins of thought that I thought I'd share, knowing that you will not think me odd or silly for thinking such impractical and esoteric thoughts. I was recently in West Africa, and as I was staring rather mindlessly out the window, looking at the very vibrant but chaotic scenes before me, it came to me rather suddenly that this is what London in Dickens' time may have looked like. Masses of people everywhere, walking, selling wares on street corners, and in the middle of the street even, cooking on open fires in front of shops, and sadly, some areas of real poverty and squalor. And of course, cholera, typhus, and worse are not uncommon in those areas. Then my musings turned to the utter and complete hubris of modern industrial man, generically speaking, to assume any sort of moral superiority over those who live in what is deemed to be inferior and backwards cultures. 
How quickly we have forgotten our own recent history, as depicted by Dickens, not to mention our rather more ancient history when we painted ourselves blue and used cow dung as a hairstyling fashion. When I heard today the chapter with Mr. Bucket and the description of the area of Tom all alones and how vividly it reminded me of the very things I had seen so very recently, I thought how really important it is for us and the generations following us to read the good literature written by those who came before us. Without them, we're locked into believing our age is the only age which has ever existed, and that is to live in a make-believe land, for no man is an island unto himself. They're not just dusty old tombs, but are living links in the chains of who we are today. If I had never read the old books, I would never have been able to make the connection between what I was seeing and what my own culture's history was like, and my life would have been all the poorer for it. I think C.S. Lewis said it far better than I ever can. Every age has its own outlook. It is specially good at seeing certain truths and specially liable to make certain mistakes. We all, therefore, need the books that will correct the characteristic mistakes of our own period, and that means the old books. All contemporary writers share to some extent the contemporary outlook, even those like myself who seem most opposed to it. To be sure, the books of the future would be just as good a corrective as the books of the past, but unfortunately we cannot get at them. I really have no point in all that except to say thank you. Thank you for taking the time and effort to present us with quality audio of old books and for taking the time to do all the research to make them accessible to us. May you be as richly blessed in your work as your work is a blessing to me and all the other listeners. Carol W., Australia. Hi, Heather. It's Jennifer. Um, I'm Ina Alone on Ravelry, Twitter, and absolutely everywhere else on the web. And I just wanted to thank you personally for episode 59 of Bleak House and your special ending and a little addition from Animal House. Um, I am of an age to have watched the movie and absolutely adore it and just wanted to share a little story with you as I, um, from a couple of weeks ago when I was walking through the kitchen in my office. I work with a lot of younger programmers, some of them right out of school, some of them in their early 30s. And they were talking about the movie that revolutionized movies about college. And I stopped in my tracks because, of course, it's always interesting to hear what movie revolutionized something. And the comment was two words, old school. Now, I haven't seen Will Ferrell's movie, Old School. I'm sure it's pretty funny. Will Ferrell's pretty funny. But I couldn't believe that that was their frame of reference when all I could think of was two words, animal house. I walked through because the kids already think I'm a freak because my first computer didn't even have a hard drive. So I don't think they really believe that I'm really not too old to have a job anymore. So I decided to pass on that. So I'd really like to thank you for sharing Animal House with your listeners um, because Craftless listeners are better than so they're definitely the people that will enjoy the movie and will help carry it on. So thanks again. Um, love the podcast. Love the book. And appreciate absolutely everything you do. Hope you're having a great day. Thank you. Hi, Heather. This is Brenda. I'm Priscilla Bjorn on Ravelry, and I'm calling you from my recording studio, my mail truck, (laughs) and I wanted to say happy 400th episode, and we, I'm sure, all enjoy being the beneficiary of your creativity, and I love your your whole podcast. So, um, With the two options, I couldn't come up with anything clever for, you know, most likely to succeed or whatever. But for the sharing a book or story, I wanted to share what was a very big book for me. And it's A Ring of Endless Light by Madeline Lengel. And a few years ago, my teenage daughter asked me, what was your favorite book growing up? And I immediately said, A Ring of Endless Light by Madeline Lengel. And so she wanted to know what it's about. And I said, well, it's about death. (laughs) 
which doesn't sound great. And it's more complex than that. But um, anyway, it, and it reminds me sort of of the fault in, in our stars by John Green, who was not afraid to tackle a hard subject. And my daughter really liked that book. So I, I kind of told her, you know, they're similar. Anyway, um, I just wanted to mention that there is a movie uh, that's loosely based on A Ring of Endless Light, and it is everything that I said the book was not, or whatever. It doesn't take seriously that young people can think big ideas because it really dumbed down the story to where it's almost not the same thing. Like if I drew a stick figure of the Mona Lisa, I tried to call that an accurate representation of the original. It's, it's just not. So I just wanted to warn you to steer clear of that because, um, you know, in its own right, maybe it's a fluff little movie, but it isn't what the book was at all. This book, I read it when I was probably about 12, and it was the first book that I remember reading that really kind of shook me um, before I had read just like Nancy Drew and stuff like that in grade school. But this book really took seriously the idea that young people uh, can think seriously. They can feel deeply. They can handle big ideas and, and the mysterious. Um, the first chapter of the book deals with a funeral. And um, I just wanted to read this little bit here. He took a long swallow of tea and looked at me over the glass. You know, when you cut yourself really badly, it doesn't hurt at all for a while. You don't feel anything. Death, our reaction to death, is sort of like that. You don't feel anything at all, and then later on, you begin to hurt. He was speaking with a quiet conviction, as though experience had taught him what he was talking about. I wondered what had happened, who had died to make him speak like that. Now, that is not totally representative of the whole book, but just that little tiny bit in the very first chapter, I mean, that is deep stuff that makes you think. She quotes St. Augustine. She quotes poetry. Um, it really made me realize that a book is more than entertainment, that you can be a different person by the time you end up at the back cover than you were when you started it that it can lead you to new things that you can look up and find out about and learn and grow. And so I feel like Craftlet is like that also. It's not just about a really good story, which, you know, they're really good stories, but it leads you to grow, uh, to learn more and, you know, go off on a little rabbit trail and find out something new. So thanks so much for all the work that you put into this podcast. We really appreciate it. And um, I've got to get back to work. So have a great day. Bye. I don't think it would be possible to say it better than Brenda said. You all know that for me, one of the most important things I can do is to spread the gospel of classic literature and, and push you to listen to books that you might not otherwise listen to. That was one of the things that made me so happy when I got this audio was hearing how often you said I wouldn't have listened to this otherwise and I'm glad I did. There were lots of emails that came in too and I just haven't had time to record them I'm sorry but but I think this is a representative sample and for me I need to say thank you to you. It is a pleasure and an honor to stick books in your ear every week. So many of you I've met and talked to and learned from and been grateful for because every once in a while there'll be a book where I'm stuck on a chapter or I couldn't figure something out and someone will always write in and say, ooh, I saw it this way. And reading that on the show, it just sparks new ideas and new thoughts and it moves us along and how lovely to be able to share that with you the virtual book club aspect of all of this. But I'm also extraordinarily grateful 
that we live in a world where technology can allow us to talk to each other from here to New Zealand and back again, and Australia, and South Africa, and Turkey. And we have someone in pretty much every continent. We haven't gotten Antarctica yet. I'm waiting. Being able to do the podcast has been a gift. And in those dark days that often come and have been coming a lot lately, of all of the things that I can see myself changing in my life, and there are many that are going to have to change, the one thing I cannot envision is letting go of Craftlet. Some things might have to give. I might not be able to podcast every week. Or there may be more surprise absences moving forward. But 400 episodes for a staff of one podcast? That's not too bad. Every day when I'm lucky enough to sit down behind the microphone and record and talk to you, you need to know that I see you in my mind. So, so many have written or exchanged photographs or I've chatted back and forth with you on Ravelry or we've been able to meet in real life and I'm going to meet more of you on the tour this year and I'm so excited because it's very soon. And even if you haven't actually made contact yet, you should know that I can see an awful lot about you. I know how old you are. I know where you live. Not you know, your street address. I'm not a stalker. I have a fairly good idea of what you do for a living. And it makes it a challenge to figure out how to talk about the podcast online because normally things have demographics. You know, this reaches men 18 to 35 who live in this part of the country. And you guys, you you aren't a demographic. There's a new word for what you are. And that is psychographic. Not because you're psycho, but because the thing that we all have in common isn't our age or our gender or our socioeconomic level. The thing that binds us all together is that we love really good books. And of course, I'm massively biased, but I think that says good things about all of us. I think it says the best things about all of us. So thank you. Thank you for going on this ride with me. Thank you for being there. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for telling your friends to subscribe. Thank you for helping make it possible for me to keep doing this by going and signing up over on Patreon, getting the app and signing up for a streaming premium subscription. There are so many different ways so many of you have made it possible for me to get us to episode 400. And I promise, before I leave to go on the tour, I will have episode 401 done so we can end Sense and Sensibility. And on that episode, I will announce our next book. And then I'll take a break. But I have a Halloween surprise for you. So you have that to look forward to. I want to say a special thank you to all of the people who phoned in and sent in speak pipes today. It's such a treat for me to get to hear about you. And, and thank you for sharing a little bit about yourself with everyone else, too. Uh, sometimes that can be really intimidating if you're not used to talking to a microphone in an empty room. I know that. So thank you. And above all, thank you for coming back every week. It means the world to me. Not so much on a selfish level like, ooh, you like me, you really like me. It's not that. It's, it's that I know what we all know, that these books are important. And the more we know these books, the more jokes we get, the more we understand, the more empathy we have for other people, the more insight we have to idiom and metaphor and irony, and the richer our lives are because of it. And being able to help take that to other people. It's, there was one time when I was trying to figure out how to write something about Craftlet, explain it to other people. And I went to Andrew, my husband, and said, I don't, I don't know how to explain this. I don't know how to explain what, what I do. Why do I do this? 
And he looked at me like I was, what? He said, it's, it's because you like sharing the good stuff. You've always liked sharing the good stuff. To the point where he'll tell me about a book in great detail, because he just read it. And I'll be in a conversation with someone two weeks later. And whatever they say makes me think about that book that Andrew just finished reading. And I'll say to them, hey, oh my gosh, you would love this book, this book that I have never read, but I know it's good stuff. And I know it's going to mean something to them. I like being a conduit. So thank you so much. Have a great one. I'll talk to you soon. If you like getting free audiobooks with benefits every week, please consider supporting the show over at patreon.com slash craftlet. There are rewards waiting for you beyond, you know, the free podcast. You can also subscribe to our premium streaming audio by tapping the red lock when you are looking at the app or at the show notes at craftlet.lipson.com slash podcast. You can also sign up for a premium download subscription by following the links in the right-hand sidebar at craftlet.com. And if it's easier for you, you can always subscribe and review at iTunes and at Stitcher Radio. Like us on Facebook, support us at Patreon, and come with us on tour. For nine years, Craftlet has been kept going by the support of you, the listener. And for that, I am truly grateful. And remember, if your hands are too busy to pick up a book, at least you can turn one on 